Welcome to the morning community of Northridge Vineyard. Our deepest desire is that you will encounter Jesus as you listen in to our morning gathering. If you'd like to find out more about us, check out our website, northridge.org.au forward slash mornings. So this morning we have the joy um, of sharing stories. Now, if um, you haven't uh, been with us for a while or you're new, uh, then you might not know about this, but a couple of times a year we take an opportunity to hear from people within our communities. Um, It's kind of like an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit more, but also to hear uh, what God is doing among us. Um, And it's funny because each time we do this, uh, I hear stories and I chat to people afterwards and they were like, and every time people are like, that was exactly what I needed to hear or that was the perfect word for um, where I was at or, um, you know, all that. And so we're just so encouraged by how God uses us. And I was actually uh, reminded of, now I don't have my phone with me, a verse in <laughs> 1 Thessalonians um, just as we were praying, and I don't know if I'm going to get it up in time. Oh, thank you, Anna. (laughs) But I was just reminded of this verse in 1 Thessalonians um, that I wanted to read to us. Um, So 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. And I just felt like it was such a sort of affirmation, but also a reminder that we're doing this as we're sharing stories. It's to encourage and build each other up. So this morning, uh, we're going to kick off with Matilda, which is really exciting. So why don't you come up? (laughs) We have the round of applause in the audience. So I'm sure you're clapping from home. You may recognize Matilda. She's usually um, up here with uh, but behind uh, piano. Mm. Yes. So it's lovely to have you sharing with us this morning. Thanks. I'm just going to pray uh, for you, and I'm going to. Uh, Hugh's going to come and share afterwards. So I'm just going to pray for Matilda and Hugh, and for ourselves as well, that we'd be open to what it is that God wants to say to us this morning. So Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, just for your faithful servants. We thank you for Hugh and Matilda and just their willingness to step out and share what it is that you've put on their hearts. Lord, I thank you. Um, I just feel reminded that all we bring to you is a mustard seed. It doesn't have to be big, but you will do big things with it. And so, Lord, as they share their words and the preparation that they've done, would you speak into our hearts? Would you take your words um, and would you grow us and mature us? And bring breakthrough in our lives as we hear your words through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Bron. So, um, as Bonnie said, if you don't know me, um, I am Matilda and I've been married to Brayden <laughs> uh, for about three and a half years now. Um, and we've been coming to Northridge for about um, two of those. 
and yes, normally you would see me behind a keyboard where I would feel a whole lot more comfortable. Um, and yeah, so a little bit about myself. Um, if you don't know me, I work for a company called Crew, um, who run Christian camps around Australia. Um, I am a diehard fan of pretty much any sport, playing it or watching it. Um, and most people who know me would say that I'm way too competitive at any kind of game. <laughs> um, but most of all, um, I love the Lord. Um, and I've been on what might seem uh, a bit of a, a normal uh, faith journey. Um, I was blessed to grow up in a Christian family. Uh, with an older sister, my parents, who, who wanted to see me uh, grow in my faith in Jesus. And they taught me that Jesus loved me and that he cared for me. But in my childhood and teenage years, uh, I was quite naive. Um, and I had a lot of doubts and I questioned so many things. Um, I fell into this trap of viewing God as this huge big being that lived up in the space in the heavens. And there was this disconnect between me down here, this tiny little being down on earth. Um, and if I didn't do what God wanted me to do, um, then he would actually punish me by making me really, really sick. Um, and in those moments where I felt helpless when I was sick, um, I was really afraid that I would just read my Bible more, I would pray more, um, and I thought God would be happy with me again. Um, it actually got quite bad during a period of my life, probably for about three or four years, where I was so afraid um, that God was going to make me sick that I, um, I thought about it all the time. And because I thought about it all the time, I felt sick every day, all day. Um, and I struggled a lot with worry and anxiety um, about even the smallest decisions of my life. Um, I thought I was alone down here on earth, that God wouldn't care about these small, insignificant things that I was worried about. I just thought he was angry that I wasn't doing the right thing. So why would he care about the things I was worried about? But how wrong I was. Things changed for me after I uh, finished high school. My life took a bit of a turn. Um, I started dating Brayden. Uh, and in April of 2016, um, I met an organization called Soul Survivor, which I'm sure a few of you um, know about. Uh, there were a lot of things that changed over this period in my life um, that I probably don't have time to go into today, but um, the way for me, the way I would describe it was that I feel like I matured uh, in my faith and my eyes were opened to things that I had actually been really stubborn about before. I came to understand God's real character and also the real relationship that I have with him today. I saw not only that his plans for me weren't for me to be sick, or scared and afraid of him. But it was that he deeply cared and he wanted me to come to him with the smallest of worries, the smallest of anxieties, the tiny things that I was dealing with. And I knew fully well that he would listen. He would hear my every word with compassion and love. He cared about the smallest details of my life. Now, I know last week we heard um, this beautiful psalm, Psalm 139, um, but this week I feel like I really, uh, God put on my heart to share it again um, and read some of those verses because it shows so clearly how intricately God cares for us and that he knows us. And that's something that I really struggled to fully comprehend when I was younger. So I'd love for you to just listen. You can close your eyes if you want as I read a few of these verses. Because the way that it describes how God knows us so much better than ourselves actually shows that God cares about the smallest details in our lives. So from verse 1, You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. 
You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty for me to attain. And then to verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I am awake, I am still with you. Now I've come to understand that God not only cares about the small details of our lives, but he actually speaks through those details in the small moments to encourage us, but also so that we can tackle the big mountains, the trials that stand in our way. And this is something God's been revealing to me over the last few months. So let me just share, um, share something with you. I, I recently had my wisdom teeth out uh, in April earlier this year, and I was very, very nervous. Um, I've had extensive dental and orthodontic work done. Um, I had braces for three years, uh, and during that time, my uh, adult canine tooth, which was supposed to be growing where it should have been, uh, was actually growing in the middle of my mouth. Uh, and so I had quite a traumatic surgery um, where I was kind of half awake, half not, um, where the surgeons drilled a hole into the middle of my mouth um, and attached a chain to the tooth that was in there, which was then attached to a nail that was put into my lower gum and dragged the tooth all the way across to where it should have been. Um, I was in and out of the orthodontist every six to eight weeks to get the, the chain pulled tighter. Um, but by the time uh, the tooth got to where it was supposed to be, it was deformed, had no roots, so they just decided to chuck it out and put in a fake tooth, which I've had ever since. So you can imagine leading up to my wisdom teeth surgery, uh, I wasn't feeling super uh, confident. I was feeling very nervous. Um, I was feeling quite alone. Uh, the main thing I was worried about was actually coming out of the surgery, having something gone wrong, I would get an infection, something bad happened. And some part of me was feeling similar to how I felt when I was younger. So much so that I fell into the trap of thinking and worrying about the surgery all the time. That God wouldn't care about this silly thing I was worried about. He's got other better things to deal with. But how wrong I was again. It came to the day before my surgery and um, I was listening to some music on my drive home from work. Um, as you do, and I got a call from my mum. And you know when you're listening to music, um, just like Apple Music, Spotify, whatever it is on your phone, uh, and then someone calls you and the music pauses where it's up to, and then when you hang up the phone, it just starts playing again from where it was up to. Anyway, so my mum called, the music paused where it was up to, um, and I spoke to my mum for about 10 minutes. She was just calling to see how I was feeling uh, about the whole surgery. Um, we spoke for about 10 minutes. Um, and by the end of the phone call, um, I was actually really teary and I was worried um, because I, I felt lonely because my mum was the one who had driven me to the orthodontist every month. She was there with me during my surgery. Um, I relied on her during those times. 
So it's really difficult saying goodbye to her. Um, but when I hung up the phone and the music started playing again, the song that I was listening to, um, which just happened to be on a random playlist, was Another in the Fire, which we actually sung last week. Um, and the first lyrics that played as soon as I hung up the phone were, I know I will never be alone. There'll be another in the fire standing next to me. There'll be another in the waters holding back the seas. And I didn't know that that song was playing. I had no idea. I just had some random playlist on. I didn't know that my mum was going to call at the exact right time that when she hung up, those lyrics would start playing. But God knew. He had orchestrated that moment. And he knew that I needed to hear those exact lyrics straight after that phone conversation. He made sure that that song was playing and that my mum would call it that exact right time. And as soon as I heard the lyrics, I knew that God was going to be the one who would be with me tomorrow. And at that moment, my fear, which was the big mountain in my way, it left me. And so the next day, I went into my surgery feeling confident, but still a bit worried. But I knew I could, challenge, I could go, uh, I could do anything with God at my side. And I've got to say God provided uh, I came out of surgery feeling actually pretty fine. Uh, I was a bit groggy, which was to Braden's delight, who took a video of me for the next five minutes saying the most ridiculous things. You can ask him for the video later. Uh, <laughs> but the days that followed, um, I didn't swell up at all. I had very limited pain. I slept peacefully every night. And I went back to work six days later pretty, feeling pretty much 100%. And Braden was amazed of anyone. He was looking forward to taking photos of my big chubby cheeks, and uh, sending them to everyone in the world. Because <laughs> that's what happened when he got his wisdom teeth out. <laughs> uh, but they didn't come. And all of this I knew was God's doing. It was his way of speaking to me through the small details, through that song. And that helped me to face the big mountain, the fear and the worry that was in my way. And reflecting on this whole situation, I've actually realized that God has been speaking to me using music on a number of other occasions. Um, but I've just missed them because I wasn't looking for those small things. I wasn't listening for them. God works in such creative ways and he works in ways that will speak to who we are individually. The words from Psalm 139 show us this. God knows us better than ourselves. So of course he's going to use personal ways to speak to us. And for me, music is something that I, I love. I appreciate it. I really enjoy it. And so of course God's going to use that. So God speaks in those creative and personal ways because he cares so deeply for us. But I also felt that God wanted me to encourage you, not just that, but he also can speak so simply but powerfully. Often in those stressful moments um, or at times where we've got a big mountain that's in front of us, we're not sure how to overcome it. We're looking for the big things for God to be at work in. We're looking for the parting of the seas that he did for Moses, the breaking down of the walls of Jericho, those hero moments. And God does do those, and they're amazing when they happen. But I also want you to be looking out for the small details, the simple, which we can often miss if we're not looking for them. I want, you to, I want to read a story from um, Jesus' ministry in John 5. Um, from verse 1 it says, Sometime later, uh, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. 
and one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. But then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now this man was waiting for a big miraculous healing from this pool and he'd been waiting for 38 years. But Jesus comes along and he speaks the simplest of words. Get up, pick up your mat and walk. So what was this man's mount and what was his trial? He, he was sick and he had been for 38 years. Now that's a pretty big mountain if you ask me. <laughs> but Jesus came along and he simply needed to say eight words and that mountain, gone. Because when we encounter Jesus, even in the smallest of doses, we are completely transformed. We just need to be ready and listening. Matthew 13, um, another story that Jesus shares, a parable this time, um, from 31, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. Jesus' ministry so clearly shows this point. Jesus is bringing the kingdom little by little in the small, as small as a mustard seed. He moved from town to town and he simply just had to speak and lives were transformed. Mountains were moved. He drove out demons with his words. He raised the dead to life. Uh, He made the the lame man walk. So I want you to have a think about the moments in your life when you're facing the mountains and they seem insurmountable. Jesus is speaking in those moments. It may not be in the ways that you realise it, though. It might be in personal, creative ways. Or it might just be the simplest of words that you need to hear in that moment. But we've got to have ears ready to hear, ready for God to show up in those situations, because he always does. He's faithful to his people. So as we finish up, I just want to remind you of three things. Um, God cares about the small details in your life. He knows you better than yourself. And so he's using individualised, personal ways to speak into your life. We just have to listen for them. And Jesus, even in the smallest of doses, will enable us to move those mountains that stand in front of us. So can I encourage you with two challenges today? Um, Firstly, what are the individual ways that God is speaking to you personally? God cares so deeply about you that he will use even the smallest or even the most creative ways to encourage you and to equip you to move the mountains, the trials that you face. So look out for them. Keep your eyes on your ears peeled. And do you know why he uses those ways, those creative personal ways? It's because those are the moments that have the greatest power behind them because they mean so much more to you. They speak to you personally. And secondly, can I encourage you uh, with a couple of things? You can pick one of them. Um, I want you to either write down those moments when Jesus speaks, when he works in the small to make the big things happen. Write down when he spoke to you individually. Then you won't forget how God is doing life with you. He's encouraging you and equipping you in the hard times. 
And if you don't want to write it down, um, I've got a second option for you. Uh, I want you to share it with someone. By sharing it with someone, those moments when God is speaking, you're actually encouraging them too. I know we talk a lot about testimonies, um, but they are so important. I did a classic Google lookup of what a testimony actually is, um, and it's evidence or proof of something. When you're sharing a testimony of God showing up in a situation or Jesus speaking encouragement into your life, you're actually providing clear evidence and proof that he did, that he is, and that he will. To share that with someone is actually part of what God has commissioned us to do here on earth. You're being a witness to Jesus and his ministry, which is the greatest thing we can do to bring God the glory that he deserves and to bring his kingdom here on earth. So can I leave you with those challenges uh, this morning? And um, I'd love to pray for us as we finish. Lord, you know so much about us, more than we could ever know about ourselves. Thank you that you care for us in the most intricate and beautiful ways. Thank you that you use, you use such personal and creative ways to speak to us individually. And I pray that we would have our ears open uh, and ready to listen for how you can use the smallest of moments to shape and transform the difficult moments that we face. Well, thank you for caring about those difficulties in our lives. Lord, we just invite your spirit to come and work in us this week. Lord, would you empower us in those situations and encourage us with the testimonies that we experience of your goodness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Matilda. That's just been, isn't it fantastic just to hear about how that personal relationship for Matilda has just been such a, a prominent thing that's been growing in her heart as her faith kind of moves from her head to her heart. Um, so thank you. That's just beautiful. It really blessed us. Um, I'm going to invite Hugh up. Hugh and Beck are life group leaders here at Northridge, and we met them uh, more than 14 years ago now. Um, so I'm just I'm thrilled that Hugh's going to share with us this morning. I'm not going to say much more about you because I'm sure you'll share a, bit, a little bit about yourself. But bless you, mate. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, thank you, Matilda. You've, um, you've challenged me. You've, your confidence and your encouragement is just beautiful to hear the words of others. Um, he does know. He orchestrates those moments, doesn't he? Without a doubt. So thank you for reminding me of that. Without a doubt. Um, thanks for my opportunity now to speak. Um, we're living in interesting times. A lot of things are changing, big and small. And I know it's stating the obvious that as Christians, we're not removed from the challenges of daily life. Our orbit in many ways becomes bigger as we're exposed to more online. Yet the world becomes smaller as we have lockdowns and loneliness. In the current upheavals of the world, our mental well-being and that of our friends and families becomes more of a concern. Knowing and understanding ourselves in the midst of life's challenges is becoming a greater necessity for us all, particularly our young people. And as Bonnie reminded us last week, we need to be preparing for battle, but at the same time, having soft hearts towards God. She believes that people who are open, honest, and vulnerable demonstrate God's kingdom and draw people to him. For the last few weeks, I've been hanging on to who God says he is, and I've really loved the I Am series. We've been reminded of who Jesus is, 
the light, the good shepherd, the bread of life, the resurrection, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. Because without Jesus, I ask myself, where else can I go? A bit like the disciples in John 6. After Jesus had spoken about being the bread of life and asking the disciples, you want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. In my life, I've been fortunate enough to have been educated and never wanted for any of life's necessities. I've lived in different countries, done a variety of jobs, had a beautiful family, and been part of some wonderful living and thriving communities, without doubt a blessed and fulfilled life. And now, I'm nearing 60, a baby boomer, born in the 60s, nearing the end of a career, children growing up. I'm beginning to take stock of what I've done in my life, knowing that things have changed over the years and that I'm different for the experiences I've lived through. Developmental psychologist Eric Erickson said that this time of my life is my middle adulthood, between 40 and 65. I'm at a point where I have a choice between generativity and stagnation. If we ignore stagnation, that sounds pretty smelly, the major question asked at my age is, how can I contribute? Generativity refers to making your mark on the world by caring for others, as well as creating and accomplishing things that make the world a better place. And psychologists note that the benefits of generativity include better health, more positive relationships, and greater fulfillment. This rings true in what the Apostle Paul teaches in the letters to the Ephesians. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. As I ponder my own generativity, some thoughts spring to mind. Have I got what it takes? Am I enough? What even is enough? I struggle with the temptation to put myself down and measure myself by my colleagues and friends. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I love this drawing from Charlie Mackis's book. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. I think we're going to get it up on the screen. It basically asks, what do you think is the biggest waste of time? Comparing yourself to others, said the mole. Of course, the answer is that in Jesus, we can accomplish much. Philippians 4.13 reminds us of that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I don't always feel that way. Do you? We live in an imperfect world. We experience the wounds of growing up through the joys and challenges of families. We can be either enriching, enabling us to thrive, or crushing, where we, all we can do is but survive. Some of us have been wounded by childhood neglect or uncertainty, as I did. And my story is not unique. I grew up in a family with two loving but unsettled and insecure parents. This left its mark on me and my sister, and it's taken me many years to understand that they were deeply scarred by their own pain and wounds inflicted by their parents. While my adolescence and early childhood behavior was not extreme, it was a symptom of the trauma I experienced as a child. I was certainly lost spiritually, 
and I didn't understand why I was feeling the way I was. Confused, dissatisfied, and desperately trying to fit in. Thankfully, after meandering life's highways and byways, I found some good Christian friends who were still willing to listen to me and invite me into their care. Through them and their nurture and teaching of several wonderful London churches, I became convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, the way, the truth, and the life. As I was thinking about this talk, I was drawn back to wondering what made these groups of friends so influential and formative in my life. Because most certainly I was changed. I saw life through a different set of glasses. The joy of my newfound faith left me almost euphoric. And my mom actually thought I was on drugs. So changed was my thinking and my manner. And this is what I came up with. My Christian friends loved me unconditionally, without judgment. These friends were gentle and accepting. They wanted to be with me. My higgledy-piggledy story was not shamed or criticized. It was validated. They loved me for who I was, and not for some better version of myself. They could see value in me, even when I couldn't. I felt a sense of belonging, safe to be myself. And they really lived out the instructions of Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Through their example, I came to know the love of Abba, Father. These friends began to teach me who I was named and chosen by God and made in his image. The change was slow and sometimes uncomfortable, well, often uncomfortable, but gradually it brought about healing. And for a decade or so, life was good until my dad, Bob, unexpectedly died just eight weeks after we'd returned from a year of living close to him in the UK. In the shock and sorrow of this sudden loss, my mental health fell apart and quite quickly, I went into depression. There was a battle raging in my head where my self-talk countered the person that God was revealing me to be. And as depression set in, so did shame. I became lost in a mist of loss and sadness, not just grieving my dad, but also the childhood I never had. In my darkest period, Bex and my three girls, along with other dear friends and family, were there for me. They put up with my questions, my rants, and my dissatisfaction with life. And slowly, I summoned up the courage to ask for help. Again, this is another beautiful drawing. I'm so grateful to say that through the enduring love of family, friends and colleagues, things slowly changed. And my life is so much better today. And thankfully, I'm not the same as I was before that depression. Much of the healing came through prayer, long hours of counseling, and some medication. I learned to be more open and honest, more vulnerable about my condition. Many psalms encourage us to be uh, vulnerable, to be 
more intimate and open about our thoughts and our feelings. Psalm 16 says, In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. Crying out to God is an admission of our need for him. And there's such freedom that springs from that. We're no longer imprisoned by our secrets or trapped by our old ways of living. God's light is brought into those dark places. We're more able to be active, creative, and free to be who God has made us and to be a blessing and a light in the world. We can shed our self-imposed burdens. We can gain insight into our own imperfect selves, rendering imperfections in others less offensive and enabling us to walk alongside them with less judgment. And I hope I'm going to accept others for who they are, entering their struggles and understanding their stories. This is coming up, hopefully, uh, that's it. This is a kungushi bowl, named after the Japanese art form, kungushi, in which a broken pot is mended using liquid gold. In its newly repaired state, it's viewed as more precious and more beautiful than the original creation. I believe we see Jesus in the cracks of our lives. He's the gold, the beautiful glue who brings us into completeness in him. Jesus in me, repairing the cracks and the imperfections. Thankfully, God can use our broken pieces too. We can emerge from trauma, not bounce back, but bounce forward, changed and more like Jesus. Not perfect, but changed. We're reminded in John 10 that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Just going to finish off with a story that I came across recently. It's the story of a man, a water bearer in India, who had two pots. One was intact and one had a large seeping crack in it. Each day, the man took the two pots and gathered water from a stream. Then he began the long walk back home. The perfect pot carried its load from the stream to the master's house, whereas the broken pot lost half its water load along the way. After two years of feeling an utter failure, the broken pot apologized to the man and said he was ashamed of himself. Why? asked the, bear, the water bearer. Because of my flaws, the pot replied. Half the water leaks away as you walk. The water bearer asked the broken pot to look along their route from the stream to the house. I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path, he said. Do you see there are flowers only on your side of the path? but not on the other side. That's because I've always known about your floor and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path and every day while we've walked back from the stream, you've watered them. 
For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without being just the way you are, he would not have had this beauty to grace his house. And Paul talks about our brokenness in his writings to the Corinthians. Our vulnerability provides a way for God to show his power and glory. Paul writes, we're like common clay jars that carry his glorious treasure within so that this immeasurable power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. And here's the last slide. Always remember you matter. You're important and you're loved. And you bring to this world things no one else can. So, a few things to take away. Remember, it takes time to grow into the person God has made you to be. Like growing a garden. Seek and be patient. Hold things lightly. Your work, your friends, your children, and your church. Be soft, teachable, and particularly at the moment, kind to yourselves. Be open to others and listen to their stories. And last of all, think about what you want to be when you grow up. This is the last slide. Hopefully, there we go. What do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, said the boy. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, uh, Hugh. Um, I have to be very honest and say I'm, I'm often quite humbled when I hear people's stories and what God is doing in them. And, you know, what's so grateful that we get to speak um, into each other's lives, uh, both for Hugh and Matilda. There are things that you have um, spoken about this morning that has really resonated with me and um, I'm going to take away uh, to ponder on. But we are, as we come to a close, I'd like to just take a minute um, wherever you are, I don't know if your household is, is maybe erupting with craziness right now or maybe you have a quiet moment, but whatever it looks like, I just want to take a moment as we close this morning to allow the seeds that uh, the Lord has been planting as you've been listening um, to Matilda and Hugh just to settle in your spirit. Um, and so uh, why don't you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for your faithfulness, your unconditional love. And Holy Spirit, right now, for each and every one of us, would you come and just sink in deep the truths and the things that you have spoken to us this morning. Thank you for the reminder that you use our brokenness. Thank you, Lord, that we can all come to you however we are.
Lord, I thank you also that you are constantly speaking to us in the small things. Lord, forgive us when we miss your voice because we are expecting something else. Lord, I pray as we go into our weeks that we would remember who we are in you and that we would look for your voice and your words in our week and that we would be your mouthpiece to others who are needing encouragement, who are needing love and who are needing those reminders. So Holy Spirit, would you fall on us now? And would you be with us as we virtually go out? We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your faithfulness and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.